David, when it really affects his personal relationships, when it really affects him emotionally and intimately, he's scared. And the truth is, so are we. And that is so much more relatable because by the end of this story, Welcome to Uncaged Bible Study. We hope our name gives it away as we are looking to unleash God's Word in its entirety from beginning to end and unlock the power within the pages of Scripture. We aim to restore the authority of God's Word in a world that has lost its understanding of doctrinal truths, as well as shed a light on how from the first page to the last page, the Bible is pointing us towards Messiah, our Savior, Jesus. So we hope you enjoy the Bible study today. And if you did, follow us or share the podcast to help us spread the word around the globe. And if you leave us a five-star review, that's a great way to let us know that you say amen and are impacted by what you've heard. So thank you for joining us on this journey. And in the words of Charles Spurgeon, the Bible is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It simply needs to be let out of its cage. Let's unlock the cage together. Hi everyone. I just wanted to let you know that we had some technical difficulties during the Bible study last night. So unfortunately, our study did not record. So what I want to do is give you some insight and the highlights so that you can read the material yourself and see if you come to those conclusions. Here are some of the big things that we talked about. We covered 1 Samuel chapter 21 and 22. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and 22, David is on the run. He's on the run from Saul because where we left off in chapter 20, David and Jonathan worked together to find out Saul was really trying to kill David. And so they figured out a plan to save David's life. And David is now on the run from Saul. And he hides from him. And on that journey, he lies to the priests to get bread. And he gets holy bread from the priests. And this is interesting because Jesus actually refers to this story in the beginning of chapter 21 because the Pharisees were pointing out that Jesus' disciples were picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath, and they considered that work, and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response to them was, don't you remember what happened with David and the consecrated bread? And don't you know that God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's basically saying and that the priest was right to give David the bread because David and his men were starving and hungry, just like his disciples were right to pick the grain and eat it because they needed the food, they needed the sustenance, and life trumps the law. He's saying, as, as many other preachers have, have put it, I think infamously I heard this from John Corson, that human need trumps religious creed. So the religious ceremony that they were looking to follow, human need trumped that. It wasn't sinful for them to break the ceremony. And so this story goes to that, but the problem is David and his men ate the consecrated bread because of a lie that David told the priests. And so David doesn't start off in these chapters very well. Even though he goes to see the priests when he's running away from Saul, he lies to them, and it causes some serious havoc. 
And in the midst of that lie, he ends up getting the sword, Goliath's sword, that he used to cut the head off of Goliath when he fought him in chapter 17. Um, as he continues his run away from Saul. He gets that from the priests, again, through a lie. And so David continually lies to Ahimelech, the priests, and he does it in front of a servant of Saul named Doeg. Now, Doeg is an Edomite, and we talked about the Edomites last night as well, because the Edomites were descendants from Esau, the twin brother of Jacob. So the Edomites are descendants of Abraham and Isaac, but not of Jacob. They were descendants of Esau. And they continually curse the Israelites. We talk, we re, reminded ourselves of when Moses was taking the, the people towards the promised land and Edom refused them entry through their land. And they had to go around Edom to enter the promised land. And that was one. And the next thing is Doeg, the Edomite. So eventually when we get to the book of Obadiah, you're going to see this judgment pour down on the people of Edom. And if you're wondering why, just keep remembering that promise that God made to Abraham, that those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And that promise was fulfilled through Isaac and through Jacob and then ultimately through Jesus uh, and through the people of Israel. So those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse Israel are cursed. And we consistently see Edom cursing Israel and wreaking havoc on them. So God's judgment you will understand when by the time we get there that the Bible is consistent in God's judgment. And so we dealt with Doeg the Edomite. He was there as David is lying to the priests, and he's a servant of Saul. And after all of this, you know, we get to the fact that Saul is basically off his rocker, and he's going crazy, and he's super jealous, and he just wants to usurp the power of his throne. He just wants to hold on to his own power. This is reminiscent of Genesis chapter 3, the first lie that the serpent told. If you eat the fruit, you will be like God. You'll get to sit on your own throne. Saul wants to sit on his own throne. He doesn't understand that it's not his throne to begin with. It's God's, and God can give it to whom he chooses. But Saul wants to hold on to his own power, and he refuses to humble himself before God. And in doing so, he becomes jealous and crazy and paranoid as he goes after David hard. And so this is the story. But here's the interesting thing. In the midst of fleeing, David, who once conquered Goliath, Goliath, this massive giant who was defying God, those were David's words, you defy the armies of the living God. He told Goliath that he was defying God. Now, David wasn't in the army. David wasn't with Saul in that moment. Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel. He was taunting Saul. And in, in David's mind, he was defying God. And so David inserted himself into a situation that he really didn't have anything to do with. Goliath was not David's giant. Saul was. See, David had a giant. It just wasn't Goliath. It was Saul. But the interesting piece of that is that David stood up to Goliath, this massive giant that everyone else was afraid of, the entire army of Israel and Saul. This king, who was head and shoulders taller than the rest, was afraid of this giant Goliath. But David wasn't. But not too much later, David is fleeing from Saul. Remember, Saul was afraid of Goliath. David wasn't. But David's afraid of Saul. And when David flees from Saul, from the priest, he's got the sword. He's got Goliath's sword that he cut Goliath's head off with. 
and he flees to the city of Gath, the city where Goliath was from. David is being given all these reminders from God about the victories that God had given him, about how he slayed the giant that even Saul was afraid of. He's got that sword in his hand, and he's going to the city where the Philistine was from. And even in the midst of all that, David never realizes what's going on, as he still remains a coward as he's fleeing from Saul. And I think what we talked about last night was there's something beautiful about that in terms of just the reality. Because as humans, it's a good thing to know that our Bible characters aren't perfect, that God tells us the truth about those who he, he's used. And David is a great, he's the greatest king of Israel. But David wasn't perfect, and, and neither are we. Which is why when we tell these stories, it's good to tell them appropriately and actually reflect on what the scripture says. When we tell the story of David and Goliath, we shouldn't be telling how David crushed the giants of life and how we can conquer the giants of life because Goliath wasn't David's giant. But it is an important story of how we should stand for God in the midst of a culture who is opposing him. But this story, with his relationship with Saul, this is David's giant. And this really does reflect humanity. Goliath was outside of David's circle. It didn't really affect David's life one way or the other. He just saw someone defying God and he stood up for the cause. He was the one willing to do that. Now, it was brave, but it's not the same as Saul. Right? Saul was someone, David came into his house as a young man, and he played music for Saul when Saul was distressed by the, the evil spirit. He helped Saul overcome that for a time. David loved Saul. In fact, David married Saul's daughter, Michal, and David's best friend in the world, who was like a brother to him, was Saul's son, Jonathan. And Saul was his father-in-law and a father figure to David in some ways. But Saul got jealous and angry and became an abuser of David. He tried to kill him, chuck his spear at him three times. And now he's after, after David trying to kill him. And David is wrestling with all of this. And he's sitting in fear and not understanding how to deal with it. Because the truth is, when our personal lives and our our relationships, our intimate relationships are affected by what's going on, by the warfare around us. That's much harder to deal with than a cause that stands outside of us. And we do go through times where it seems hard and it's afraid and we, we don't know how to put our money where our mouth is. I'm reminded of the ice bucket challenge from a few years ago that just went viral on social media. There were so many people. If you don't remember, the ice bucket challenge was this. Someone was trying to raise awareness for ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. And in order to do so, they posted a video online of themselves pouring an ice bucket, a bucket of ice water over their head and saying, whoever saw it, I dare you to take the challenge. Either donate to research for ALS to search for a cure or treatment, or post a video of yourself pouring ice water over your head. And this went viral for a short period of time, and everybody was pouring ice water over their heads. This is interesting because this shares the point. People were willing to stand up for a cause and make themselves known and put themselves out there. So many people were willing to pour the ice water over their heads. 
but significantly less people were willing to make the donation. And those who were willing to make the donation, a lot of them were willing to post that they made the donation. Not many people are willing to be selfless or put their money where their mouth is and just do good for good's sake. And this reminds me of that because David, when it really affects his personal relationships, when it really affects him emotionally and intimately, he's scared. And the truth is, so are we. And that is so much more relatable because by the end of this story, what happens is Saul goes to the priests because Doag the Edomite was there when David lied to the priests. And he goes and tells Saul what he saw. And so Saul with his army and Doeg go and visit the priests. And the priest's response to Saul is, how on earth could I have ever assumed that David was working against you or hiding from you? David's a general in your army. He served you faithfully. He killed Goliath. He's infamous in Israel as your servant. And you let him marry your daughter. He's your son-in-law. He's a part of the royal household. You gave him all of these benefits. Saul, how could I think that you were after David? Because from the outward appearance, it looks like you're very much for David. And so Saul doesn't like that response. And he thinks everyone is conspiring against him. And he tells his army to kill the priests. Interestingly, the army will not do it. The army will will not kill the priests. I don't know why. What we talked about last night was maybe it had something to do with either Jonathan's or David's or a mixture of both, their influence over the men of war because they were generals in the army and they loved God so much and they weren't willing to kill the priests. So what Saul does is he tells Doeg, the Edomite, to do it. And Doeg kills 85 priests and then also kills the men women, and children of the town of Nob. The Edomite didn't care about the priesthood, didn't care. He just did what Saul told him to do. And so he cursed Israel that day. When David found out about this, because one priest got away, one priest got away and reports to David what happened, that Doeg killed everybody. David's response, now I remember David has not been doing very well through these two chapters. He's been afraid. He's been scared. He's running away from a guy smaller than someone he defeated. He's running away from Saul, who was afraid of Goliath, a man that David did defeat. The irony of that is sickening. But David hears this story. He hears what happened to all of the priests and all of the people of Nob at the hands of Doeg from this one priest who got away. And David's response, after all of this failure, all of this time sinning, all of this time lying and being afraid, David finally comes to his senses after hearing the news. And he said to the priest, when I saw Doeg there, basically he knew what would happen. And he takes full responsibility for the death of those people. He doesn't blame Saul. He doesn't blame the priest. He doesn't blame Doeg. He doesn't blame the army for not stopping him. David comes to terms with what he did, with the sin he he committed, eating the consecrated bread and sin, lying to the priests multiple times, and he realizes he's the one who's responsible for this tragedy. And he repents, and he tells the one priest to stay with him, and he will protect him. 
So David's backbone is restored because his faith is restored as he repents from his behavior and takes responsibility for what happened. So those are the highlights of the story. As Saul's jealousy, David's fear, all of it comes back to when David failed, he was willing to repent and put God first again and get his faith back. And just for you, so you know, we read 1 Samuel 21 and 22, but there's some homework as well, because David wrote three Psalms during this period in his life. He wrote Psalm 52 in reference to Doeg, and while he was hiding in a cave after he left Gath, dealing with all the turmoil that he had caused and dealing with his fear and all of the stuff that he was dealing with going on, going on with Saul, he wrote Psalm, 52, Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 while he was hiding in a cave before the news was broken to him. And so if you want to see the progression of David's heart as he's dealing with this fear and gaining confidence back in his God, read those Psalms in reference to 1 Samuel 21 and 22. And we can catch uh, back up next week where we kick off uh, 1 Samuel 23 through 26. God bless.